Hi there. Before we get to today's episode, I want to invite you to join my email community where you can get additional tools, guidance, and support in your healing of your codependency and the ignition of your inner advocate. You can do that by going to healyourcodependency.com. And also, you can follow me on Facebook at Heal Your Codependency with Marshall Bircher. You can follow me at Instagram at Heal Your Codependency as well as YouTube at Heal Your Codependency with Marshall Bircher. Come join us there. And if you want to listen via podcast as well, you can find me Heal Your Codependency with Marshall Bircher on Apple, Google, and Spotify podcasts. Now let's get to today's episode. Good morning and welcome to this episode. Today we're going to be talking about how our pain tells the story of what we have been through and why that is critical to our healing and to our freedom and to our peace. Good to see you. I'm excited to touch on this topic because it's a big one. It's one that I, that's profoundly affected the way I heal and the way I do the work both in healing codependency and trauma, as well as growing out life, you know, getting more access to our joy, our purpose, to the things that matter to us. Because our pain, our emotions, our sensations, the reactions we have to life speak about what we've been through. They're not random. They're not out of the blue. These come from direct experiences that we have had throughout our life. So I've got some notes here to keep me on track. I want to give a little history on this because in my past, for most of my life, I thought my pain was a problem. I thought my pain was a flaw. I thought it was something I shouldn't have that most people don't actually have emotional pain. They're at peace. They're confident. They don't deal with these things. And I thought that my pain was actually a signal of sin or error or some sort of flaw or malfunction in me. This kind of relationship with my emotional pain was encoded into me, was taught to me by the way my parents and my culture and community responded to pain, to my pain in my life. Specifically, they had patterns of behavior responding to my pain with dismissal, with shame, with claims that boys, like boys don't cry, boys aren't sensitive, what's wrong with you that way. They would shame the emotion, they'd shame the fear, they'd shame the anxiety. They would say, why are you so sensitive? Why, why is that a scary thing? Get over it. Uh, they would be annoyed that I had pain, that I had discomfort. They'd be frustrated with it. During my teen years, sometimes my pain would bring out outright rage towards that pain, especially when I would discuss the grief of my mother after she had passed or I expressed a lot of fear and panic about going to school because I was being bullied, I get rage. You know, lots of kindness there. And then accusations about the reason I felt the way I did, especially with my depression, with my shame, with my insecurity, was actually a product of sin, that I had sin, I created error, I had hurt or, or, or um, violated some sort of religious principle that... Uh, created these feelings in me. And these kinds of responses taught me to hate my emotions, to hate me, to hate my pain, to try to get rid of it, try to fix it, try to suppress it, try to deny it. I literally tried to carve it out of me so I would not feel these things. Then sometime down the road, about 
2009. I was starting to do work with clients, helping them navigate trauma and process trauma as part of my apprenticeship. And I started to see that their pain was talking about a story they'd been through, about an event or a situation that they had gone through. Some of their stories talked about repeating experiences of these kinds of things, which would be complex trauma for many of us. And this narrative that was coming out was teaching me several things about this experience that pain is actually telling the story of what we've lived through. So firstly, what I noticed is that the physical sensations that the individual was having all related to the body's reaction to the initial core experience it went through. The body was getting tense and scared and it was like flooding the mind with with visuals and thoughts and and, and the images of things and that the, the chest was tense and the legs were tense. I'd noticed that these kinds of somatic expressions would show up every single time the person encountered situations that were similar to a past experience that they had connected to. Now, sometimes they didn't know what that experience was, but they could identify a pattern that, hey, when I'm dealing with work and I'm dealing with a conflict, my body always does this reaction. Ah, that reaction was telling us about what happened in the past, that that's how the body um, experienced that initial um, situation, how it processed it and how it survived it. Now, it obviously didn't move back into safety. It didn't move into integration. It didn't move into care or rest because it still moves through that initial phase and didn't integrate into more of a confident, clear place because it wasn't safe enough for it to do that at the time. This is a key indicator of story. It's like, oh, this repeating pattern of these somatic sensations showing up, these physical things coming up. Like, for instance, in my personal life, when I have um, my exposure trauma is activated, my body will get this very bright and intense sensation of, of um, sharpness in my neck and in my head. And it usually will go on one side or the other or both, and it will sometimes emerge into a migraine. I know that when these sensations show up, I feel overexposed. I feel very vulnerable. I feel very at risk of being harmed, humiliated, or bullied in some way. And so when that shows up, I know that my 13-year-old and my 6-year-old were likely talking. I'm going to connect with them and provide more care, more love, more shelter for them as we move through what the body needs to do with its impulsive tensing up with those sensations and going through its cycle. So that's one way my body tells the story about social humiliation and bullying, for instance. Another way the body tells the story of what we've been through is the mental signals that it gives us. The mental signals will include thought loops that we have. I'm shameful. I'm awful. There's something wrong with me. It can include images of things happening to us that either have happened or might happen to us. And it can include conclusions we've made about life, about ourselves, about others. Like, I'm not worthy. Nobody loves me. They wouldn't want me. Life is um, against me. Things of that nature. These kinds of mental expressions of the lived experience talk about what the body thought it had to do and had it to conclude um, to navigate what was showing up. A lot of times the mental stuff that shows up is an attempt to explain why we went through what we went through in hopes that we can change it from or stop it from happening again or change it in the future. 
So we have that element there. Then we have impulses. So impulses are a somatic sensation um, of the body wanting to do a thing. Does it want to run? Does it want to fight? Does it flee? Does it fawn? It's usually going to break down into one of those four basic categories, and that can be really specific in that area. For instance, if we go back to my exposure trauma, it wants to freeze, it wants to hide, and it wants to brace for everything to go wrong and go bad. I'm going to find out later on I did something horrible, that I was traumatic to something or someone, and they're going to attack me, and I'm going to be the worst person in the world. That is the impulse and then the mental language that comes with that impulse. I want to hide. So when that impulse comes up, I actually allow myself to hide for a minute so the body can move through that energy and find its rest. And more and more that happens very, very quickly. So gently we're nurturing that trauma out of the nervous system and helping the body discover its own innate safety again. But there's always going to be an impulse showing up at some point in this process. And that pro that impulse is what the body needs to do to find rest and completion with that particular experience. And the more we give the body space and support in processing that impulse and moving through it, the greater peace and rest and healing it finds. <clears throat> so when we process an impulse, it doesn't necessarily mean we act it out all the time, but we do allow the sensations to take up space, allow ourselves to feel the lived experience of that impulse, and often that gives us enough processing to help it ease down, find some rest. And then if it shows up again in the future, it's usually a less intense experience of it, lasts a lot shorter, and it doesn't show up as frequently as it used to in the past. And the last component that typically shows up in the way our bodies and our pain tells the story of what we've been through are the behaviors that we do. And that relates to the impulse components. Because like my example, I wanted to hide. So am I going to go hide? Am I going to run? Or maybe I have an impulse to please and, and make things perfect or better? That kind of thing. The behaviors tell us how we tried to navigate and handle the situation in the past. And it can tell us what largely worked, meaning it got us through it so that we can move on with our life kind of thing. Or at least it mitigated some of the harmful experience for us. So when we can look at our life through this lens of what kind of somatic signals show up, mental signals show up, impulses and behaviors that show up, we can see why we do what we do. We can see why we have the reactions we do to the things we encounter. Because they're talking about what we've gone through in the past and what worked, at least what got us through it. And then the body, that's what it knows what to do at this time in response to that kind of situation. So if you panic at having a conflict with someone, if you're scared or feel guilty about saying no, you feel shame about having a want or a need, these all talk about the relationship or the lived experience you have with saying no, having a need, or facing a conflict. And the way we can shift your relationship with those things is by processing those sensations, those mental experiences, those impulses, and by doing that, those processing of those three things, we actually get different results. This is why in my codependency healing work, we focus largely on the fawn response and then a bit on the freeze response because that helps us shift the body's orientation toward, to it, its orientations to its needs, especially with safety, connection, and self-worth. 
into a more empowered or advocacy position like oh confidence this is mine i have it i can move through this that changes the behavior so rather than pleasing to get our needs met we can say yes or no we can ask directly for what we need and see what happens and then we can navigate the consequence of taking that risk and survive it and even thrive through it this is the why the uh, pain is so important to understand. This is why I focus on understanding and caring for it, acknowledging and validating it, and learning to hear what it is telling us. So we do that in the Essential Codependency Healing System and my actual heal trainings. We go deeper on it by getting in contact with our internal selves, moving into the story, moving into meaning, and shifting out of those things so that we can release ourselves from those things and bring in integration, rest, and peace for our pain. So if you're looking for help with that, you want to start this journey with me, I highly recommend joining me in the Essential Codependency Healing Trainings that start uh, September 24th. The info is in the description here on this episode, and it's on my website at healyourcodependency.com. So it's an eight-week live course where I'm going to teach you how to, one, care for your emotions, recognize what they're trying to do for you, and then specifically guide you through helping your body feel safe enough to stop fawning, to stop being codependent and start advocating for itself, and then build safe boundaries and relationship in your world so you can have more of what you need, uh, including knowing and connecting with your self-worth, knowing and understanding your emotions and valuing them, as well as starting to trust yourself again, being able to identify safe people, build and establish healthy boundaries, implement rest into your world, and so forth. So we cover a lot of, we cover the essentials in releasing yourself from codependency in this course. So again, come and join us for that, because that's where you're going to experience more power, more freedom, more healing in your world, especially if you've been stuck in trying to get free of codependency. You're wondering why the self-help work isn't working, why therapy might be just on a loop for you. It's because you're not targeting the, the proper cause of codependency. Typically, we're trying to fix codependency rather than actually address the fawn response because that's the cause of codependency. Codependency is the symptom of the fawn response. So when we care for that, we stop being codependent, we start being confident, and that allows us to enter our advocacy phase where we can ask, say yes and no, have boundaries, and do this largely with a significantly less anxiety, shame, guilt, and fear in our world. Come join us for that. Sunday's at 12 p.m. Again, the, the details are in the description here on this episode. So my friends, your pain is your ally. It is telling you what you have been through. So if you feel like shame, you feel like guilty, you feel like you're worthless, you hate yourself, it's because you have gone through things that have taught you to feel this way about yourself and you have gone through things that have been extremely painful and scary and this is how your body concluded it needed to navigate that in order to survive. When this clicks and when you allow yourself to trust this a bit, your pain's going to start teaching you about what you need in order to heal. And I can help you make that happen. Come join us with those Essential Codependency Healing Trainings. Or you can get the Heal for Real bundle, which is available, and get the Actually Heal Trainings, the Essential Trainings, as well as the Nurture Trainings, help you heal loneliness and abandonment. And then the um, Indomitable Worth System, where you can go deep on mastering your own innate worth, setting yourself completely free from needing codependency to have value. Instead, you know your worth, and then you can start to know yourself, be yourself, and love yourself. My friends, this is the work. Thank you for showing up for this episode. Let me know if you have any questions. 
below. Or if you're listening via podcast, you can go to ask.freesop.com and ask me a question there. Otherwise, treat your pain with care and love. Start with that step of acknowledging, hey, my pain's here. This is trying to tell me something. Thank you, pain. I appreciate you being here. What are you trying to tell me? And then it can start giving you a lot of information. You can start navigating that. So go gently with this process, though. It can be very easily to become, it's very easy for it to become overwhelming. And in this process, you're going to learn how to understand and connect with your internal world. So it's something that requires structure and guidance. That's why I recommend the Essential Healing Codependency course and the Actually Heal trainings that I teach. Otherwise, my friends, thank you again for being here. Go gently with yourselves in this, and I will see you guys in our next episode.